Hello and welcome to the Northeast Oklahoma City Think Tank Podcast. My name is Xavier Roan. In this episode, I sat down with Councilwoman Nikki Nice to discuss a bit about her work on the northeast side of Oklahoma City and a lot more. It was a great conversation and I really learned a lot and I hope you enjoy. Okay, hello. Welcome to the Northeast Oklahoma City Think Tank Podcast. Uh, I'm here today joined by Councilwoman Nikki Nice. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Nikki Nice. I'm the Councilwoman for Ward 7 in Oklahoma City. All right. Uh, well, I guess let's just jump right into it. So when did your work with like the food environment in Northeast Oklahoma City begin? And what was the like impetus or the reason that you decided to start looking into the issue? <clears throat> well, um, just being young, I was aware of of how we had options and then they left and, and having to go to a different area of our community or our city and, and shop. Um, so I, I guess I've, I've been aware of that for some time, but you get used to it and that's just, it becomes a part of life and, and uh, normal, it's normal. But when our store that we had closed, we had a, a store that closed when I was running for office, um, and it closed within 10 months, that was alarming for everyone to, to understand how we were going to feed our community with this store being closed that was promised uh, to, to our community as well. And so being a candidate at that time in, in a runoff, the, my opponent and I, that was the question we were asked the most is, what are you going to do to provide a, another uh, food access option to, to the community? So as soon as I was elected, we went to work um, looking for space and, and trying to provide um, ways to, to help our, our residents uh, get food access. And uh, I learned more um, educating myself about food insecurity, food deserts, um, just the not only local, but our state and, and on a national level, what that looks like for, for black and brown communities and for rural areas and uh, the implications of uh, small box discount stores being in your, in your communities that drive out um, the ways that you can have a, a grocery option in your community. So it's it's a, a lot of different things that took place for, for us to get to uh, being able to really dig deep into the conversation of creating uh, better food access. And um, one of the things I also uh, for, wanted to mention too is that we were able to look at how we can get community gardens in in our communities as well and in having our community be able to to feed themselves when it comes to community gardens and um, our restore farms and in different locations and uh, Lillian Timber Farms and uh, National Women in Agriculture Association, all of those different partners that you have in your community of uh, feeding our, our residents and the Northeast Farmers Market, you know, all of those different pieces of the puzzle too. So uh, just creating a fresh food access overall has, has been the conversation. Uh, so you talked a little bit about the two stores closing and uh, now there's working on bringing in two new stores. The one, the Homeland on, is it 50th and Lincoln, I think? 36. 36th and Lincoln. Uh, they're working on that one and then they're working on the Restore store. So can you tell us a little bit about your role in bringing those two new grocery stores? Well, uh, again, our efforts as soon as I was elected was to see how we could bring a grocery option. So uh, meeting with our city leaders and our economic development offices, 
Uh, we all went to work on, on places that we could look at. And the story for 36 in Lincoln actually came about because of our seniors. Our seniors uh, came and they said, Nikki, we do not want our health and wellness center in this proposed location that it was told it would be in. And I said, all I could say was, uh, okay, well, let's look at some places where you'd like to put this wellness center because obviously I'm, I'm not a senior and I won't be anytime real soon. But um, so I knew it was something that they needed and that they wanted or, or else they won't participate. So uh, we went to work and we took uh, transportation as far as making sure the seniors knew uh, what their options were as far as the first two senior wellness centers that have already been built in our city. So we had bus transportation, uh, our park services helped in YMCA helped and also Millwood. They also helped and assisted us with transporting our seniors across the city. So we went to the senior, uh, wellness, senior wellness center number one on the north side. Then we went to senior wellness center number two on the south side. Um, and again, that was for our seniors to just realize and imagine uh, what is coming when this center is built. So they looked at quite a few different locations. They brought it back to us and we all looked at them to see what would be feasible. And this particular location for the center was 36 in Lincoln. And the thought from our economic development office and all of us was, can we put a grocery store on this location too and make it a wellness campus? Well, lo and behold, we could. So we worked to make sure and ensure that um, that location would work. It was a long process and um, I have learned a lot about how grocery stores are placed in communities, if nothing else, and what, what it takes. And one of the main things that we wanted to make sure, especially with this store, was that it had community investment. So we have uh, a couple of investors that reflect the community that have invested in this particular store location as well. So um, not only will we have that public-private partnership as far as investment, but we have community investment. And that's the most important piece uh, of this for our community to also say, we wanna ensure that our community has fresh food access and and grocery options when it comes to this particular location. So that's a long story, short story, but it was our seniors who influenced the location for us to get our grocery store in that particular area of 36 in Lincoln. So to just kind of touch on this idea of community engagement, why do you think it was so important to have the community actively involved in like the placing of this grocery store so that they could have access to it? Because if we're not, a part of the process, it's hard to get the support for it. Um, so it's, uh, we were happy that we had a local grocer um, who said we want to provide access for this community. And this is also uh, a new store for us. This, this is a, the first store in, um, I believe over 20 years that this particular store has brought and built from the ground up as well. So it's a, a first in, in a lot of different ways, but the main thing we wanted to do also in this location was to make sure that we're filling in those gaps because as we look at uh, this particular area of our community, Northeast Oklahoma City, uh, being food insecure, it's also insecure in uh, pharmacies. 
It's also insecure in hot foods. It's also, you know, so many different things of, of being insecure. And in. so we do have a, a drive through pharmacy uh, for this particular location. It will be an area also for our food, local food trucks to be able to uh, come and, and have their business there. So it's a lot of good things that are going to be happening in this one area, uh, again, to, to bring access and, and community. And when we're looking at right now, uh, putting murals outside of this store, this particular store, and community is involved in helping uh, to shape what these murals are going to look like. And it's going to reflect our community um, in this particular location as well. So uh, that's why it's important. Uh, if you're not a part of the process, you're not going to participate. So that's why it's very important for our community to be engaged and involved in this process. Okay, now I'll circle back to this idea you touched on earlier. You said it was like a long and arduous process of getting this store built. Can you go through and give insight a little bit about the, like what that process was like of bringing a grocery, a full service grocery? Well, I think the, the main issue was the land, land location. Um, the land that we had, it belonged to the state. Um, so we had to work through the process of obtain, obtaining the land first and then working through a securing um, the, the financial ability uh, to bring the store. So those were all of the, the working parts of trying to, to just secure that piece in order for us to even get to as uh, the final position of even a groundbreaking for it. So uh, we had to work through all these different um, abilities of even looking for the local investment because we needed more local investment. We were working toward, we had one in the beginning uh, that fell through and my conversation with our economic development uh, department was we cannot, because we had already presented it to the community as a community investment in this store. And I said, we cannot continue to go through this process without that community investment. That's something that we cannot do. We have to be uh, accountable for ourselves. If we're gonna tell the community, this is what's happening, we need to ensure that it does in fact take place. So that was a lot of, uh, a lot of the areas where we were kind of graying too. Um, just again, working through just the financial part in making all of those pieces work. Cause it's like a, a big puzzle that you, you have all these little pieces that have to, to work and fit and um, just finding even the tax credits and, and all of the other things in the board for, for the homeland. They had to say yes to being able to put the store in our community. And that's another piece that I forgot to mention. This is an employee owned store. So all of the hands that will be working in this store will be invested in the store as well. So um, this helps to provide um, careers for our community um, where we may not have had before over 70 new jobs that are being introduced to our community and for people to be able to, to have uh, that investment of, of health insurance, uh, again, for them to have stock, personal stock with them being invested in the company as an employee owned store and to help us uh, break those generational uh, divides when it comes to us having um, the careers and insurance and all those other things that, that will come with this location. So uh, again, I know a lot of folks were, uh, have said, uh, we don't want this particular thing, but when you look at the great things and opportunities for the community and those who will be employed, 
it's a win-win situation. Okay, so I think you bring up this interesting point of like uh, people, whenever they were talking about working through this process, you always have people who are going to be contrarians for one reason or the other. Did you hear a lot of opposition to the grocery store as you guys were working through it? Or was it for the most part, the community was very on board with the, with the grocer in its position? Well, I think it was twofold. I think, again, uh, when you look at what we've had in, in our community, we've had uh, a store that charges 10% on top uh, in appearance of the 10%, the, the cost saver option, which is 10% on top of your receipt and then 10% tax. Uh, we didn't want that anymore. We had a couple of stores that the two grocery options that we had in the community were just like that. So we knew we didn't want that. And the community had overly expressed that they didn't want that. Um, however, the community had also said they wanted these other chains to come in as well. And that's the unfortunate piece um, when we're looking at how, how investment in, in these amenities work. It's been over 25 years. If any of those people wanted to be in the community, I promise you they would have invested and found a way to do it, but they did not. So that's, that's the unfortunate part. But again, uh, with this particular store saying yes and, and bringing a better product, we did have to ask them um, to look at us bringing just a general store because they also have a cost uh, plus option store. In, in their uh, realm. And we said, we, if it's possible, we, want, we don't want that. We wanna bring uh, just a store that looks good and that our community deserves. So um, I think in the end, you're, you're always gonna have the people who say they still don't like it. But again, um, we're gonna continue to work to not only get that one store, but we have a community market on 23rd, but, but we're not done. Of, of, with the efforts of bringing, trying to provide more food access to our community. So this is not a one and done for, for the community to realize we're not just gonna pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we've done a good thing. We're gonna keep working. We're gonna keep working to see what other options we can bring for folks to have better access because we, I, I mean, I already know uh, for those who have been used to traveling in one part of our community, now they have to make a way to get to this area of our community if they hadn't before. So again, uh, this is a continuous effort to ensure that we're uh, working towards bringing more and better to our community. So the sort of shift a little bit, we've talked a lot about bringing, but I wanna talk a bit, a bit about leaving. Uh, when it came to the two grocery stores that left, there was the buy for less that became a smart saver on 23rd and Martin Luther King. Do you know the reason? Do you have any insight about why these stores decided to leave the community? Um, as far as the uh, store, which I cannot, the other store, for some reason, the name escapes me and I don't know why. Um, but that particular store, to my knowledge, uh, was bought, the chain itself was bought out. Save a lot, that's the name of it, save a lot. Um, the, the, to my knowledge that was bought out by a German company and therefore it was uh, a little harder for the franchisee uh, to be able to provide the better options and all of the things that they had in there before because I, I, I shopped there too um, and you I think a lot of people I had even spoken with said um, the options were not the same as when they first opened. So that's what we were working with with that particular store. And I understand uh, all of the stores that they had in Oklahoma City are no longer open at all. 
So it's, it wasn't, it started with our store and all the other stores that they had are no longer with us. Uh, with the Smart Saver, I, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, they have said a lot of different things, um, but I think they could have done a better job with communicating fully to the community of, of, of their efforts and what they wanted to do. And they could have done a much better job in working towards providing, uh, if that's what they planned on doing, uh, another option for the community. So that's the unfortunate part. And I think, again, that speaks to uh, why you have to be very intentional, but at the same time, cautious and transparent about how you approach vulnerable communities, especially this one in particular. We, you took one thing away and you said, I'm gonna give it back to you. But then all of a sudden we're waiting and we're still waiting. We're waiting for uh, something to be provided. So that's the unfortunate part. And, and now I understand uh, they've sold a quite a few of their stores in general. Um, so uh, what's going to happen to this particular location? I do not know as far as their property is concerned. We're looking at still um, in maps four, we passed where uh, we could acquire the property if needed uh, for us to ensure that we are getting what we need for our community. So I know the rumor is, is that they already got paid from the city. There's no way they could have because there's no money in the maps for them to get it. So um, they haven't received any money from us. All right, thank you for that insight. Now there's this recurring word I'm hearing a lot. It's this idea of like community and you hold these forms, these development forms for people within the community who wanna do business with the city. Can you talk a little bit about like starting that process and why you felt like it was important to have this for the community? Well, working with the city government and even myself uh, running for office, I didn't know really what I was getting myself into. It's a it's a complicated process. You know, there's so many different working parts that you have to to work through. So I already knew uh, in speaking to just different people out being out and about that would tell me they didn't know how to to be engaged if they had a business, if they wanted to do these different things as far as contracting. Um, and so I asked if our city would help me in the effort of, of just educating the folks in our community and across the city that needed this type of information uh, for them to be able to uh, contract with the city, for them to be able to, again, uh, partner and, and see uh, how they can serve themselves and their families and also uh, just be a partner with, with our city. So uh, being, being able to just give that information that's why, why I'm there to do my best in, in helping to ensure that our community is aware. Um, I know with COVID, it's been a lot harder to do some of those things as far as um, gathering to give the information uh, per se. Um, so we have to use our platform, other platforms in, in ways to, to educate the folks as well. But uh, being able, again, to, to just provide that type of information because at the same time, I'm being educated by our city staff as well um, to let our, our constituents in our community learn the process of, of how to, to get engaged. And what would you say the response has been to it? Would you say it's been something that the communities has been engaged with a lot or like, how would you gauge your response to the forums? Well, the, the forums, I, I think, uh, there has been a great response. I know 
Um, a lot of folks were, were not pleased when we did the opportunity zone conversation, but uh, again, I had to I had to push back a little because I, as I, I told one gentleman that approached me about it, he said, this is not for us. I said, well, uh, to the contrary, um, we have the most places uh, that have been deemed opportunity zones in the ward. And if we don't know and educate ourselves about them, that's what happens. We won't be a part of that process. So this is for us to learn uh, more so about how it can impact us and how we can work together uh, to make it work for, for our communities in, if, we're, if it's gonna be here. If it's in our community, we need to learn about it and we need, we need to know how we can put our dollars together uh, to work through it. Uh, but overall, I think just being informed, that's been the key piece again that I said earlier that I wanna just make sure and, and continue to keep that, that part of the communication open and upfront and we record them and post them so people can reference that and go back to it. And if we have to get more information for them, we're more than happy to do that. Has there been any idea or just anything that stuck out to you as being remarkable from these forums, whether it's a community member speaking to you about trying to get engaged more with a certain idea or just in general, has there been anything that you've been particularly, uh, I guess, surprised by when it comes to these forums? Well, I think I'm always surprised by um, everything because all the subjects have been different. So they have reached different people. So I can't say there's one particular because uh, I think all of them has struck different people in a different way in order for them to want to see more about one thing compared to the other. Um, but I, I, that's why I wanted to make sure they're all different for that particular reason, because I want to make sure that if it, it touches this person over here that's always wanted to be engaged in this way, they have the information. If it's this person who has been engaged but didn't know they needed to do these things, now they have that information. Um, and even for our young people who are like, okay, how do how do these these things work? If this is something I may want to do in the future, then maybe they can get that information from some of these forms as well. But um, I'm just thankful that people show up. I think that's the the main thing. I'm just happy that people come and want the information. Um, so that's the most important part. And uh, when people ask me if we'll do a certain subject or look into maybe doing a form on other things, I am more than willing and happy uh, to, to look and see how we can do that. Uh, because again, it's important for us to make sure our community is informed, engaged and advocating for ourselves. Uh, because I can advocate all day long, but it, it sounds better when it comes from all of us. So to touch on that, what does a community look like to you ideally that's informed, engaged, and act and uh, <coughs> not activating? What was the word you said? I'm sorry, I'm struggling. Is it advocating? I, I, I words they're going in one ear, not the other. Uh, but yeah, what does a community look like to you that's actively a participant in all three of those stages? Well, it's going to look different because I, I think even with that, you have so many different neighbors that are parts of the of different types of processes. You know, you have your worker bees that aren't engaged at all, uh, but you then you have their neighbors who may be engaged and informed that can at least get them the information and go from there. So it just depends. Um, hold on just a second. Sorry. 
but again, it's just being engaged and 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 making sure that our residents and one of the things that I did when I was running for office was knocking knocking the doors and talking to folks to see what they wanted to learn, what they needed, how can I help them advocate for themselves if if they could not do it um, in their neighbors or for their neighbors. So it's just again uh, making sure we get the information to the communities, to the churches, to the nonprofits. And, um, you know, for our, our communities that are in the Northeast Quadrant, is it's more so of, of just the grassroots approach of being able to knock doors, send the flyers, if some send the email or, or just make a phone call to make sure they get the information. But um, it's, it's great that some do know the process and, and it's great when People just will call and say, look, this is what I need. How can we help? And there are a lot of times when even I have to help and understand and learn and educate myself on what what I can do and and how to uh, make sure we're working in their in their favor and in in the best interest of them. And, and if not, if it's not in my wheelhouse, then we'll find out who it is and, and we'll help them. Um, try to get the information that they need. So it's just, you know, I think it's a learning process for everybody. So not just the neighbors and advocating, but it's also, again, for me to learn and understand so I can understand how to advocate better for them as well. So moving forward, what would what do you hope for in terms of this community engagement and how they interact with the city government? Like, what would you like to see moving forward from the community? Well, I'd like to say I, I want to see them all at city council meeting, but it's too early for a lot of folks and we work, you know, so I, I get that. I, I understand that. But um, I, I'm grateful because I can say we do have a lot of folks that are engaged and informed. You know, I, I can't I can't say that I would like for folks to um, just continue to ask questions if they have them. Um, if, and if they can watch, if they have ability to watch our city council meetings, I would encourage them to do that. If they are wondering if something is happening around the corner from them or on their street and they see some dirt moving and it, we, I may have information, I'm happy to give it to them because even myself, sometimes I drive down the street, I'm like, what's going on over there? And uh, I'll call and see what's going on. If, if I can get the information, I'm going to get it. So um, just again, talking to each other, voting, um, and uh, helping me helps them and, and vice versa. So I think, I don't know if that really answered your question, but I hope it did. Oh, it, it did. It was exactly the sort of answer I was looking for. And okay. to sort of, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but there's something I really want to talk about because I saw a quote from you about it recently. You, you talked a little bit about this like divide or this disconnect between the Health Science Center and the rest of the Northeast side if I understand correctly, and somebody didn't disclose you. But can you sort of touch on why you think that is and how you could work to create better synergy between what seems more or less as like the sore thumb when it compared to the rest of Northeast side? Because the Health Science Center, I don't feel like is engaged with the community near as actively as they could be. Well, I think when you look at just the overall health outcomes of, of life expectancy being 18 years less and the zip code that's right next door to where this the Health Science Center is located, you know, to me, that speaks enough. That shouldn't be happening in a community where you have a health campus such as this when you have access to it. Um, and because of 
um, just the the way gentrification happens, the way displacement has occurred in this community uh, for even this health complex to be built, uh, there's not, there's no trust. And that's the unfortunate part because um, oh, our OU Health Science Center could do better. And, and I said, even when I spoke about it, that they may be doing some things I don't know about. So I don't wanna say that they're not doing anything when in fact, you know, there could be some, some ways they're reaching out, but there could be a better relationship. There could be a way for us to even have um, ways where our community doesn't have to necessarily go to the campus itself, but have little just hubs of, of health where people can go in their own neighborhoods, whether it's at a church or community center. Um, there, there's plenty of ways where that I feel a, a relationship can be built and established uh, for our physicians and our nurses and, and just overall health uh, to be a focal point for our community. And um, to, I think, and not, I don't think, I know once these young people see a reflection of themselves or even just see someone doing something they, that they could take interest in, you're gonna see different outcomes. You're gonna see uh, more um, physicians of color. You're gonna see more of uh, folks wanting to participate in health careers. And that's what you want. That's what we need in our community. And this is, it's very unfortunate that we haven't been able to take advantage of that with this particular campus being right in our backyard. Um, so it, we have to be intentional, but in that, as I've said, and that's what I was saying in that conversation, we also have to listen. Uh, when our neighbors are saying uh, that they hurt, when our neighbors are saying what's happening to them, we have to take them uh, for what they are saying and treat them where they are or find a way where we can treat them uh, where they are. So we used to have so many Black physicians um, back in the uh, 1930s and that era of deep dues, just as we had the era of, of Greenwood District in Tulsa, we had Deep Deuce and so many phys Black physicians and so many folks that cared for our community. And uh, the OU Health Science Center shouldn't be any different of, of folks caring for our community. So I encourage and hope that we can build better relationships um, and establish ways where we are injecting ourselves in the community to say we want to help uh, and be a part of the solution when it comes to um, just overall health outcomes and uh, break the barriers of the uh, systemic racial divides when it comes to health. So you talked about this idea of trust when it comes to the relationship between the Health Science Center and the community. How do you feel like you can incentivize businesses and people to come into this community without losing the trust of the community. Because I know that the same night, uh, Northeast 16th street I've driven down many a day in my life looks way different now than when it did whenever I was 10. So how do you like incentivize these businesses to come into this community, which is so underdeveloped and has so much just unrealized potential, but you don't lose that, like the trust and that feeling of community in the process, if that makes sense. Well, it's difficult to, to do that. I think um, you can incentivize, but at the same time, you have to make sure that they're also coming in with the right intentions of, of not um, displacing folks that have been established in the community. 
um, and creating gentrification. So it's it's a it's a twofold, and I'm not really quite sure how to answer that because that's where we've we failed in being able to get uh, the best amenities uh, in development in our, our community because we have to have community-minded development for communities such as as this area. Um, who have been neglected and who have been told one story and, and then you see something different. Um, but you have to come in with the thought of understanding, again, the community and listening. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the part where uh, we've, we've had some developers come in and listen and then you have some that just wanna do what they wanna do. And, and that's, that's the unfortunate part part, but incentivizing right now, um, there are ways to do that with, especially in the innovation district, because it is now an innovation district. But even with that, I am, I'm not, uh, I'm not hopeful with the ways um, that our community should be at the forefront of the conversations. And, and that's, that's where I, I get anxiety because I don't want us to approach this community um, and displace or even give the thought that we will not be providing accountability in the things that we're doing uh, for our neighbors who have felt neglected and underserved and under-resourced for far too long. So you touched on something I was just about to ask about, the, the Innovation District. Uh, why do you think there's such a disconnect between the Innovation District and the rest of the community? Is it something where it's along the lines of that idea of trust and you not knowing the whole intent? Or do you feel like there's another reason behind the, the disconnect that there is between the Innovation District and the rest of the community? Uh, I think it's both. Um, they can't, you know, it was just announced and I could, it, I could be wrong even with that because it happened before I, I was elected. Um, as far as saying we're going to work with the community and create an innovation district or did it just get announced, you know, and I believe it just got announced and then they start working and trying to bring in community to, to be a part of that process. But, you know, it's, it's like, mm, let, let's be thoughtful in what we're trying to do. And when you think about uh, the partners of, of innovation district, um, and it encompasses OU Health. So when you think about things like that, you're going to have neighbors that get nervous as far as what are what are you really doing? What are you? What is the angle? And when you see movement, and now uh, we've seen what has passed in Mass Four for Innovation District. You know, I have I've gotten a lot of phone calls, and um, I have also made quite a few phone calls to make sure that we we are keeping ourselves accountable to our neighbors that are in the area. And, and that's the unfortunate piece because there, again, there's so many moving parts over there in that area of innovation district. Um, but, if, and, and I've had this conversation over a week ago, if we are not approaching this community in a thoughtful and listening, transparent way in the efforts of creating uh, a good innovation district for everybody, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. And um, I don't think a lot of them realize that because everybody was like, uh, a lot of people have good intentions of wanting to do good work and say, oh, we, we've seen it happen over here, over here, over here, and we can do this here. 
but it's like, no, do you know the neighbors that are over here? Are we engaging them in the process over here? Are we talking about these things over here before we start doing it? And um, so far, a lot of that stuff has not happened. Um, and, and that's, I'm hoping that we can get there before it's too late. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm continuously talking and voicing my concerns and opinions. And I'm hope, and I know the neighbors over there are doing the same. Okay, so you talked a little bit about what I wanna go into next, which is uh, how do you galvanize or spur a, a clear line of community engagement between these outside investors and these businesses who may not have the connection with the community with the community? How are you able to like marry these two and so that there is this thoughtful and constant engagement between and communication between the two groups? There's no easy way to do that. <laughs> I'll just tell you now, there's no easy way to do that. Um, it's listening. And if you have neighborhood associations that are established, that's always helpful. Um, and a lot of the neighborhoods that I have been able to um, get in front of the developers. It has been a neighborhood. So it, it's not just one person. It's a, a neighborhood that they're talking to. And I um, I had received uh, feedback that um, I guess some of those things hadn't been done before as far as the council member requesting that they talk to the neighbors before they talk to, to the council member. And um, I'm of the mindset, I know my neighborhood I know my street. I know the people that live on my street. I can tell you all the cars on my street, but I don't know um, my neighbors that live in a, another area of, of the ward. I don't know a lot. I may know some, but I don't know the particulars that they know, you know? So I rely on them heavily to let me know what's going on, um, how they can be best served and, and what uh, incremental and thoughtful development looks like to them. And you're going to have developers that are going to say yes. You're going to have some developers uh, that will compromise and talk to neighbors. And it, it's a lot of give and, and compromise on both sides. So I think that's the that's the thing that everyone has to understand, and especially our neighbors too. If the developer owns the property, they own the property. So they can, in, in a lot of aspects, do certain things to that piece of property. Um, but how can we make sure it's comfortable for the neighbors as well? So, you know, it's it's been, um, I think, a good, good way for neighbors to also engage that hadn't before to understand uh, how development works, what the zoning process looks like, how they can come and advocate for themselves at planning commission meetings and then city council meetings um, and writing a letter or talking to the council member or talking to the developer again about what they would like and would not like to see. So looking forward, when it comes to this idea of like the younger generation of people who are currently maybe in high school or just recently entering college on the Northeast side, how would you say they engage in comparison to the more the, the more established people within the community? How would you say they're engaged with uh, what's going on around them? Um, I would say that we have a, a lot of engaged young people. I know uh, last, last school year, uh, we had some students from Douglas that were part of Generation Citizen that did some um, student surveys and, and also 
uh, had a petition um, for the food insecurity that was happening in the community. So, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. Again, we live, this is our, our everyday life. So we understand it. And these young people, especially understand what's, what's going on as students. And, you know, we're not, they're not dumb. They're not naive to, to seeing the store close and, and not having that access. And, and then going to another part of the city and, and seeing all the things that they don't see where they live. So um, it's being able to um, have them talk to us about what they would like to see and, and us engaging them in the process. Um, last week, I was able to talk to some Douglas students about the new Willoughby Johnson Recreation Center because they wrote me and, and had questions. So we had a, um, a school class meeting and, and talked about and answered all of those questions that they had in advising them that there are some Douglas students that, that are gonna be a part of the process of, of um, creating the art that's gonna be in this particular building. So it's you know engaging them, helping them understand, but we have to create space for them to be able to do that. So that's that's my commitment to ensure that our young people in, in some ways, some kind of way are a part of this process. Okay, thank you for that. And then I think I have two questions on the wrap up. So uh, I guess three. Uh, my first would be as a resident of the Northeast side growing up, what was your favorite place to eat at? My favorite place to eat? Oh yeah. my goodness. My personal favorite is Carrick and Flavors. That's my personal favorite. I love Miss Sharon, but I always like to ask just to get an idea since we're talking about food. Well, growing up, I, I can't, I want to say, you know, we always went to churches, chicken, but I mean, I go to now, I mean, I have quite a few. I go to Handy Sack and get the, the chicken wings and pork chops and my knee-high peach and the hot sauce and, and my bread. Uh, when I go to Geronimo's, I get the, the footlong hot dog that they fry, and then they put that, that bun on the grill, and they put the chili and the cheese and the jalapenos. Oh, so good. And the fries and my cherry Pepsi, because I usually have cherry Pepsi. When I go to Florence's, I get the, um, the smothered chicken with black cherry Kool-Aid and mashed potatoes and greens. And it is so good. I also have had the red snapper at Carrikins and it is quite delicious and yummy. Um, so, you know, I can find food anywhere to eat. Mama E's, I, I love the greens at Mama E's and their green apple Kool-Aid is amazing. Um, Leo's, I like the, the, the smoked bologna and I like uh, the cake. Everybody eats the cake. It's good. And, you know, when I go to the corner store on the other side, I might get a burrito, you know, so I can find something anywhere. You know, it, it, when I go to ice, you know, I get the catfish. When I was on the radio, I used to have a catfish basket named after me. So um, that's one of my favorite dishes that I get there. So I have no problem finding food anywhere in the community. Um, and I, I love that part of of our city just being able to to have that that type of you know hot food access um but even with that you know there's still limitations to it and there's these wings at the of the store on 16th and kelly is it six yeah 16th and martin luther king they had those good wings you got to get them before lunch because everybody they sell out so quick uh, but they are like smoked wings they are so 
so good. They're so good. Um, so you know, yeah. And I can anywhere. I mean, I go to McDonald's, I go to the Sonic, I go everywhere on the east side. So looking forward, what would you like to see just in general, whether that's community engagement? What would what does the future of the Northeast Oklahoma City look like to you, ideally? Um, the, the future of Northeast Oklahoma City, uh, I mean, I see uh, revital, continued revitalization efforts. I see more amenities as far as retail and, and, and food access options. Um, I see uh, more job creation, uh, workforce. I, I also see because of, of MAPS 4, we're getting a bus rapid transit So on 23rd Street. So that means we'll have um, bus frequency at 15 minutes. Uh, so it'll be more access as far as public transportation is concerned for our our community as well. So I just see a, a new, more uh, fresh air being breathed into the community. That's what I see. Uh, better ways of access um, and, and better ways for our community to be uh, more comfortable and say uh, we belong and, and this is what we deserve because truly our, our community deserves uh, everything uh, and, and more but because of the disinvestment that we've had uh, continuously and um, the resources that have been stripped. We need to bring all of those things back. So I see those things coming back. The last question I have is, is there anything that I haven't mentioned that you would like to talk about? Well, I can't think of anything. I just, you know, I think we should understand and for folks should realize while we talk about um, I know we have a lot of young people that are tired of, of the east side being referenced as a food desert. And I, I think it's important for us to realize that Northeast Oklahoma City is not the only food desert in Oklahoma City. Uh, we have affluent areas that are also actually within Ward 7 um, that are food deserts um, that we have to really understand what food access means. Um, there's there's a difference of, of disinvestment and um, lack of food access compared to um, a food desert. So yes, we are very food insecure. And the reason that is, is because we need the folks to invest and in, in bring those options to our communities. So we are hoping uh, that this new beginning of of this 30,000 square foot grocery store is only the beginning of that, that we're gonna have uh, more options for, for folks to have food access and, and for our health outcomes uh, to, to be better for our community as well. So uh, I'm excited uh, about this approach for um, not only our residents, but our seniors for this health and wellness campus that they're having and uh, grateful that we have a, a small a community market that's coming as well. Uh, to our community that is truly um, a community investment as well when we look at the folks that will be a part of how that store operates uh, in our in our city and in our community as well and, and taking these ideas and implementing them in other pieces of, of the ward and, and also in other pieces in places um, in our city as well. All right. Thank you so much, Councilwoman Nice, for taking your time to talk to us. This has been the Northeast Think Tank podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.